Welcome tonight to Church Online and Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship and to Golden Triangle Church on the Rock. Right here from Southeast Texas, our whisper can be heard around the world. God has given us a very loud voice. That was in answer to prayer. For 13 years, we prayed diligently, God give us a loud voice. And one day we realized, uh, you know, God just simply spoke and said, your, your whisper can be heard around the world. Can you believe that? God answered our prayer. We've been praying since then that God would give the whole world ears to hear. You know, and he's doing that, evidenced by the fact that you're listening to me right now. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, in whatever country, whatever nation or station of life, whether you're watching this live at the moment or archived, you know, you're a part of the answer that God has given us to prayer, that all the world would be able to hear the Word of God from this little old bitty place right here. God bless you. And I want to give a shout-out if you're watching this live. If you're watching it archived, it may not mean much, but I want to give a shout-out to my wife, Brenda. I love you, honey. I miss you. And uh, I'll see you here uh, before the end of the week, okay? And uh, tell your mom and dad I love them and miss them as well. God bless you. Well, tonight... We have a very special life shape lesson. Our life block tonight, uh, you know, we're in module four, which is talking about the future. And our life block lesson tonight is on the rapture. Wow, the rapture. What an interesting subject. Do you know, I was uncertain. Whenever we began to list these things out, I was uncertain what in the world I was going to say about the rapture. You know, next life block lesson is, uh, is about the tribulation. Wow, you know, and, and these are not my most well-studied subjects. Uh, you know, some people know a whole lot more and have a whole lot of charts and numbers and things, but these are not my most, uh, um, um, uh, you know, the, these are not the areas that I shine in. But God has been so gracious to give me revelation. And so tonight, I want you to follow along closely because we are going to look at the rapture, okay? And uh, uh, it's, it's, it, it's going to uh, give each one of you a place to stand concerning uh, that day of the Lord. You know, the word rapture, by the way, is not even found anywhere in the Bible. You know that? Uh, uh, you know, it's so, so many times through the years and through generations, people have really uh, taken, um, a, sometimes, uh, you know, taken a hit at rapture because rapture's not in the Bible. But, uh, but the concept of rapture is taught throughout the scriptures and is embraced by believers in every generation in the church beginning with the apostles beginning with the very first church and those who walked with Jesus in his earthly ministry and uh, rapture is that future moment in time that future event when suddenly and without warning believers will be gathered from the earth to make a way for the judgment of God. Okay? That is clearly taught in scriptures throughout the Bible. That sudden event, that moment that we all look forward to when we will be gathered, harvested, when we will be clearly reconnected with our Lord and Savior Jesus. The rapture is often spoken of as a catching away, as, if you will, as a gathering together, or of a harvest of souls uh, of the believers from the earth. The, the fact that a future rapture of the church, you know, the fact of a future 
gathering, the fact of a future harvest of souls, the fact of a future catching and drawing of souls, the fact that that is going to happen is rarely disputed. What is most often disputed is when it's going to happen. You know, the fact that Jesus is coming again is really not disputed. The fact that, that we are going to be joined together with the Lord is, 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 is not disputed. But when often, uh, you know, at, at what scriptural juncture the rapture will take place is often that one thing that divides churches and individuals and groups along doctrinal lines. That's what's in dispute. When is this going to happen? Well, um, the intent of this particular life block is to focus on the facts and to leave the disputes to others who are much better and much more given and much more well-studied, perhaps, to be able to, to parse and to be able to debate those things which God has evidently hidden. And by the way, anything that God hides, He hides in plain view so that those that find it often stumble over it and are shocked that it's there and uh, wonder. the rest of them wonder why they didn't see it all the time. But, you know, God has hidden some things, evidently hidden them in plain view. And many of the things concerning rapture, as like, like when, it's going to take place. Uh, those things are disputed, but we're going to leave the disputes for others. We're going to focus in this life block lesson, as I said, on the facts. And so uh, let's look at the facts concerning the future. In, in some of the very last words that Jesus said in his earthly ministry, during the last few days of the last week, of his life on planet earth, Jesus said something very interesting to his disciples. He told them that he was going to go away. And it gave them great concern. It, for lack of a better concept, it depressed them and it worried them. And, and uh, Jesus understood that they were concerned, but he told them that he was going away for a very specific reason. And Jesus clearly and finitely stated to them what he would do and why he was going to do it. This is what we will call our important point number one, the indisputable promise. This is an indisputable. This is not in dispute. It's an indisputable promise from Jesus. We find it in John the 14th chapter. In John chapter 14 in verse 1, Jesus told his disciples very plainly, clearly, very finitely, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he gave them an imperative command. You believe in God and you believe in me. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. There are many dwelling places. He said this to them, if that were not so, if that was not true, I would already have informed you. I would not let you continue in delusion. I would not allow my disciples, he's saying, to continue believing something that was not true of that magnitude. I want you to know I would have told you that. And then he begins to give them a promise, an explanation as to why he's going away and even where he's going to. And he says this, I go 
And this is the reason I'm going. I am going to prepare a place for you. Now listen, Jesus is saying this in all earnestness to his disciples in a very critical moment of his ministry, in a very difficult time in their life, and he makes to them this solemn promise. It's indisputable. He says, I am going so that in order so that I can prepare a very special place for you. And then he tells them in verse 3, And if I go and prepare this special place just for you, then I will come again. And I will receive you to myself. I'm going to come and collect you. I'm going to come and gather you. That's the implication. That's exactly what Jesus is saying. I'm going to go and get a place ready so that I can come back and gather you to myself so that where I am, you can be also. I'm going to prepare. Now, we know that Jesus went to heaven. We know that he cleansed the heavenly utensils of worship. We know that he is there today. We know that he is preparing a place for us there in heaven. And we know that he has an indisputable promise that he will come again and gather us to himself and take us to the place that he has prepared for us in heaven. That is an indisputable promise. No one disputes the fact that he went away with a purpose and he's coming again with a purpose. And the purpose, as I said, is to take us to heaven to a, a dwelling place which he is preparing today. Not only is there an indisputable promise, but our important point number two tells us about an undeniable expectation of the rapture. The undeniable expectation can even be seen in Acts the second chapter among those believers in the early church. You see, many imagine, many scholars and theologians along with me imagine that one of the reasons, one of the components, one of the elements which contributed to those early church believers being so willing and it seeming like it was so easy for them to sell everything they had, all of their possessions, their worldly goods and everything they had worked for and all of their, 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 their possessions to sell them and to uh, give them so that they could be distributed among other believers who may have had need. One of the reasons it was so easy is based upon their clear expectation that Jesus was coming at any moment and very soon they would no longer have any 
need for any worldly possession or care. And so it was very easy for each one of them to part with worldly possessions based upon what many imagine was a clear expectation that Jesus was soon to come again. We know where this may have come from even because the apostle Peter spread a rumor that Jesus was coming very soon. Why do I say a rumor? Well, it's because he misunderstood what Jesus said to him. Jesus said something to the apostle Peter when Peter questioned him after his resurrection. And Peter took what Jesus said to mean something that he didn't mean. And so Peter went about telling everyone else that Jesus was going to come before the apostles died, before all of them died, specifically before the apostle John passed away. So everyone was believing upon Peter's you know, confession that Jesus had told him he was coming soon. We read about that in John 21. Peter, seeing John the apostle, that's who he's talking about, the one who, who rested on Jesus' breast, the one whom Jesus loved. Peter, seeing John the apostle, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And then this saying went out, among the brethren. Now, Peter and Jesus are having this conversation. Jesus didn't go around telling everybody. It was Peter that went around telling everybody. Uh, then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple, John the apostle, would not die, but would rather, you know, the alternative to dying is to be raptured, is to be called away in the second coming. That's exactly what he's talking about. And yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Okay? And here the apostle John is bringing clarification to a misrepresentation, to a misunderstanding that the apostle Peter had and spread among the brethren. Not that John did not believe Jesus was coming soon, only that John wanted to bring a correction to the misunderstanding that Jesus said that John would not die. John wanted to clarify that. And I can understand why, because John was getting of an age and stage in life that he did not want anyone to misinterpret what Jesus said, to think that Jesus said something that was not true because John knew he was ending soon to end his days. The Apostle Paul also clearly expected, had an undeniable expectation of the rapture in his lifetime. The Apostle Paul expected to be present and living on planet earth when the Lord returned. He included himself in that number that would see the return of the Lord based upon that that. Uh, undeniable expectation that every believer should have. Every believer should embrace the imminent return of our Lord and Savior. They were living in that day. 1 Thessalonians 4.15, the Apostle Paul said this, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive... He didn't say that those who are alive or that you who are alive. He said that we who are alive until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who fall asleep or those who die. You know, the Apostle Paul 
expected, as Peter expected, as the first church believers expected that the Lord would come soon. They had an undeniable expectation of a rapture. Not only is there uh, an, an, an undeniable expectation, there's also uh, important point number three, the irrefutable confirmation. You see, Jesus not only said, I'm going away and I'm coming back to get you, and I'll come back to get you and take you where I'm going to prepare a place for you. But it was confirmed. It was confirmed a few days. In fact, about 50 days after Jesus had said it. In Acts, the first chapter, the Bible says, this is at the ascension of Christ on the Mount of Olives when Jesus has his disciples out there, minus Judas, and he's about to ascend to heaven. It says in verse 9, Now when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Okay. This cloud of God's glory, it wasn't necessarily what you might think of a cloud, even though it may have looked like a cloud in appearance. Okay, Jesus is not necessarily riding upon the, the, um, uh, the, the um, elements of earth, but rather in the glory of heaven. And verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You see, you don't get much better than two angels in white apparel speaking to you the very same words Jesus has spoke to you just a few weeks earlier about the fact that he's going, but he's coming again. He's coming again. What a confirmation. What a, a word from heaven. He's coming again. Important point number four is the unquestionable explanation. You know, the Bible does not leave us without knowledge as to what's going to happen. You know, we should be very conscious of what will take place in this moment. In fact, uh, how's the rapture going to happen? There's so many, so many scriptures concerning this. You can read them all about the coming of the Lord. And, uh, 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 but uh, I've, I've, I've chosen just a few. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5 in verse 1 and 2, for example. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. It gives us an indication that it, that it will be a suddenly, that it will be a surprise, uh, that, 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 that we might understand the seasons and the times, not perhaps the day nor the hour as yet, but the seasons and the times of the Spirit, but also understanding that suddenly, just suddenly, when many are as yet unaware, 1 Corinthians 15, Behold, I show you a mystery, the Apostle Paul wrote, We shall not all sleep, speaking of death, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The Apostle Paul is, again, expecting to be there. We shall be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That's what's going to happen in this moment, in this twinkling of an eye, in this suddenly. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive... uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. (laughs) Not not someone else, but Jesus himself in like manner as he has gone away. And what he said, and if I go, will come again and receive you and gather you and collect you and harvest you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. For he himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead will rise first. That's what, and, and it's going to be a marvelous thing. And then we, verse 17, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Caught up. Not spread out. Not sent out. Caught up. We will be caught up to be with him. Caught up. In the clouds, he's coming in that same cloud in the like manner that you see him go away, received up to him. He's coming. We'll be caught up into that same glory cloud, into that same presence of God and changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We'll meet the Lord in the air, immortal and incorruptible. The unquestionable explanation is, and thus, In that way and in that manner, we shall ever be with the Lord in his presence, never again to be out of the presence, out of the glory, out out of the incorruptible, undeniable, immortal presence of an almighty God in glory. Praise the name of the Lord. I should be teaching. I'll go to preaching if you're not watchful. And he says in verse 18, therefore, Comfort one another with these words. These should be continually upon our lips as a word of comfort that, hey, look, yeah, you have a little trouble, no worries. Jesus might come before it it culminates. Comfort one another. Comfort, that means this. Sometimes you just tell people Jesus is coming. That's just comfort somebody with that. Take comfort when somebody, uh, hey, look, things look bad. Jesus is coming. Maybe he'll come today. Maybe he'll come tonight. Come, Lord Jesus. Important point number five, the venerable interpretations. The word venerable means respected. It means honored. It means deserving of our attention and our respect. There are many interpretations. There are many diverse yet well-respected interpretations of the Scriptures concerning the timing of the rapture. And we should, if we hold to one, you know, hold, hold to one as you desire, as you believe, as you study. That's absolutely fine. But be respectful, okay? Because each one is based on words of Almighty God from Scripture, from revelation that people have gotten on individual Scriptures. Some believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. That means that basically, you know, the saints will be called away before, you know, that, that, uh, uh, that tribulation period, before that seven years of tribulation period that, that, that Revelation speaks of. Uh, some people believe in a pre-tribulation rapture for, 
for either all of the saints, the whole church. Some believe in a pre-tribulation rapture only for a select few saints, those that are worthy, those that are called the church, those that are the elect, the select few that are really holy and worldly and uh, 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 holy and pure and worthy. You know, uh, basically a rapture of the bride instead of a rapture of all the saints. Some people believe that. Some people point to scriptures because some people see even a second tribulation, excuse me, a second rapture in mid-tribulation. Some people believe in a mid-tribulation rapture for everyone. Some people believe in a mid-tribulation rapture only for those who are left behind on the first one, okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that mid-tribulation rapture is three and a half years into that peace treaty offered to Israel just before that great tribulation period, just before, uh, you know, that, that son of perdition is revealed and uh, 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 opening the way for the Antichrist to, to work his works. Some people believe in a pre-wrath rapture, believing that, uh, that saints will be saved from the wrath, uh, the wrath and the tribulation which has come upon all the world. Uh, some people believe in a post-tribulation gathering. Some people believe they'll be gathered on the earth. Some people believe they'll be gathered into heaven. Different people believe different things. You may say, well, pastor, what do you believe? I want you to know what I truly believe. Okay? I truly believe that Jesus is coming. I do not know when. Okay? Every time I hear somebody preach on it, I lean toward that one because they're so convincing. That's what comes from not knowing. Okay, But I don't know because Jesus hadn't told me. I have had dreams of the rapture. I know he is coming, and I know we'll be called away. I believe that with all of my heart. But I fall into that category of people who are not ashamed to tell you I don't know, and so I am a pan-millennialist, pan-tribulation. Okay, I believe he is coming, and when he comes, it'll all pan out. Okay, And I believe he may come for me before he comes for everybody else. I know he'll come for me in my lifetime. But I had rather he come sooner than later, and I believe that he will. Until then, I am told to work while I wait. Okay? James, the fifth chapter, this is where I get it from. Verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain, talking about an early outpouring and a latter outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Eight, also you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James, the brother of Jesus, believed it would be happening any day, and he was encouraging us to work while we wait, like a farmer who is busy cultivating his fields, waiting for the harvest. This brings us to our last important point, important point number six, the unquenchable anticipation. Believe me when I tell you that there is a longing in the heart of every person on earth. Every person that's ever been born, there's a longing to be connected with their Creator. There's a longing to be connected with the Christ who loves you and gave him, Himself for you. There is a longing to be with Christ that nothing else can satisfy. There is an anticipation. You have it, I have it, we all long. You may not recognize what it is, but many people think that what they need to do is change jobs or change spouses or change locations or change houses. And often what they're longing for is something that can never be satisfied outside of being connected with the Christ who loves them and gave himself. There is a rapture. Jesus is coming. The unquenchable anticipation in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, 
in the last chapter of that book and the last few verses. Listen to what they say. Specifically, Revelation 22, verse 17, for example. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. The Holy Spirit is saying, Come, Lord Jesus. The church, the bride of Christ, with that longing in our hearts, the Spirit that lives within us is crying out, Come. Come, Lord Jesus. And let him who hears say, Come. Are you hearing tonight? We should be saying, Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Let him who... Thirst, come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Verse 20, he which testifies these things saith, surely I come quickly, amen. You know, Jesus is even saying, still from heaven, surely, surely I'm coming quickly, so be it. And even John repeated it, even so come, Lord Jesus. Verse 21 ends the Bible by saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That means this, may God's grace be with you till he comes. Even so, Lord Jesus, come.